And welcome back, everyone. Taking a live this morning, oh, live look this morning over New York City, the battleground for a trucker boycott today in support of former President Donald Trump. Now, the group says they are refusing shipments to New York City after a judge, a New York judge, on Friday found Trump liable for conspiring to manipulate his wealth to fine over $350 million in this civil fraud case. Now, the former president, through his support behind the boycott, Look at this right here, saying this on Truth Social on Saturday. Such an honor to have so many great patriots on the side of freedom. Joe Biden's unfair and dangerous weaponization of law enforcement is a serious threat to democracy. Make America great again, end quote. Of course, keep in mind, this is a civil fraud case in New York brought by the state attorney general, Letitia James, and not the Biden administration. But Trump is getting a lot of support here. One trucker known as Chicago Ray wrote on social media saying, I stand with Trump because Trump stands with me. Truckers for Trump ain't just a slogan, it's real. That's what this guy says right here. And that isn't the only major backlash we're seeing from last week's ruling. There's also a GoFundMe page created by Elena Cardone, the wife of a wealthy real estate investor, Grant Cardone. It's called Stand for Trump, fund the $355 million unjust judgment. As of this morning, it's already raised more than $390,000. A first surprise for many visitors to Trump Tower, its legendary lobby is open to the public. Tourists taking snapshots of the same gilded escalator Donald Trump rode down to announce his candidacy. An even bigger attraction, the elevator, also gilded, which goes to the office of the next president of the United States. Since the election, this elevator has carried every one of Trump's visitors, a cavalcade of cabinet hopefuls, stars, and billionaires, all before the watchful eye of the TV cameras that have been camped out here for over a month. I have to wait for the light to come, and then uh, whatever light, I zoom into that elevator, and I... So you always have to have your eye open over here. It's politics, tourism, and shopping all mixed together. What happens upstairs is a bit more private. Up to the 26th floor, the tower is office space, including for Trump himself. Further up, 265 luxury apartments. Actor Bruce Willis and footballer Cristiano Ronaldo keep pied-a-terres there. Even Michael Jackson had a residence. At the very top, the inner sanctum, Donald Trump's three-story penthouse. Well, welcome to Trump Tower. George Lombardi is an Italian businessman and Trump's neighbor. He's proud to live in the same building as the future president, whom he's known for over 20 years. We both have a bit of a taste for the Rococo, the Baroque, but Trump's style is a bit more, let's say, American. That flashy style is reflected throughout the building. Some gold everywhere. To try to sell vacant apartments, this real estate agent has had to change the decor. Everybody prefers modern, clean, uh, simple, minimalistic. The list price, 2 million euros for 100 square meters. But for now, no buyers. Trump Tower seems to have lost some of its residential appeal. That may have something to do with the massive security cordon that now surrounds the area. Luxury boutiques in and around the tower are losing clients, with some itching to move out since the nuisance won't be letting up anytime soon. That's because even after he moves to the White House, Donald Trump plans to spend his weekends here.
move your feet. Yes, that's quite profound there. Uh, now to someone who was once mildly funny, but sadly their brain, their spirit, appears to have been broken by Trump derangement syndrome. This is alleged comic Stephen Colbert. I know, I know how numb we've become, but it's not normal. No other candidate for the presidency has ever had to pause his campaign to defend himself in multiple courts. And I would like to point out that in all seven of his cases, no one, no one doubts that he did these things. We're just sitting around patiently waiting to find out if the wheels of justice will grind fast enough for there to be any consequences. And the media is covering it like it's any other political story, like it's all horse race. About as funny as an ingrown toenail and about as useful. And by the way, Stephen, if you think no one doubts he did all these things, then your circle is pit. Everything woke turns to shit, okay? <laughs> Another sun rises over fabulous and mighty Manhattan, where visitors by thousands seek out historical landmarks on its placid streets. People from out of town love its many quaint and secluded eating places. The big city's well-known hospitality to its guests is famous the world over. And particularly sailors on leave find intellectual freedom in its many cultural points of interest. And as this is a story of New York, we naturally begin it in Brooklyn. New York, New York, a wonderful town. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. The people ride in a hole in the ground. New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. East side, west side, round the city. many famous museums in the big town, our studious friends find interesting and edifying knowledge. Three happy gobs and three happy girls walk merrily toward the setting sun. We reluctantly say farewell to them and hello to Metro Golden Mares on the town. Three smart girls and three slave fellers.
Gujarat is a badlands. Explain those badlands. That's a hell of a name. Good evening, everybody. You're watching Badlands Media. My name is Matt, and you're here with us at Spellbreakers, kicking off a Wednesday primetime lineup on Badlands. And uh, just to make sure, I have to make sure I'm still okay. You can hear me. I don't need to hear myself while I'm talking. Uh, tonight's episode of Spellbreakers is brought to you in part by Easy RX. We constantly talk about health and different ways to help and get many questions about ivermectin and where to get it. That's why we've partnered with Easy RX. They have a huge selection of meds at badlandsmedia.tv slash easyrx or click in the description box below and use the promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your order of $150 or more. EasyRx not only has huge selections, but also quality assurance, big savings, and fast shipping. If you're looking for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fenbendazole, then head that way today. And don't forget about fenbendazole. They've tested fenbendazole on worms or parasites that can live inside of us without obvious signs and can lead to complications from bowel obstruction and loss of appetite, loss of weight, anemia, lung infection, and liver congestion. The fenbendazole seems to have different qualities in some people and have stated it helped. Some people have helped it. It helped them in that area uh, with can with the cancer. Uh, but here's a clip to remind of what has happened when people take fenbendazole. All right, let's check out fenbendazole. Well, this is the research that once you have wide metastasis, small cell lung cancer, you're literally a goner. The 0% chance of survival and three to six months of life expectancy. And I was basically told to go home, get my affairs in order and think about hospice. And the next day, I got a call from a large animal veterinarian in western Oklahoma. There's a college friend and family friend. And he told me this crazy story about a scientist at Merck on the veterinary side who has been doing cancer research on mice and she had hundreds of mice that she implanted cancers in all their body parts, brain, stomach, liver, pancreas, etc. And her mouse population came down with intestinal parasites. And so she had no choice but to save her research. She gave her all of her mice fenbendazole. If you went out to any zoo in the world, they bring in fenbendazole truckload, front-end loader, head-high piles in bays because they give that drug to every single animal in the animal kingdom. And one of the oldest and safest drugs around, right? Yeah, it's been around for 40 years. All right, Fenbendazole. That's BadlandsMedia.tv, EZRX promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your, your purchase of $150 or more. There it is. Badlandsmedia.tv, easy RX promo code Badlands for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fenbendazole. All right. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. I've been interacting with the chat. It's been lovely. I'm seeing a lot of familiar people here, even a couple new people. And uh, this highlighted my week to come here and talk to you. And, and really, really, once I get on the air, uh, always sort of keyed up. I, I'm always like, I want to give a good show. I uh, want people to un enjoy the show. And once I get on the air, though, it's it feels all great. And uh, so it's so great to see you. So yes, I was in New York last week, and uh, 
did the show from New York, did the show from 54th and 5th Avenue, a little bit off of the, the Great White Way, Broadway, but still in the Broadway Theater District. So I don't know. Can I say that I've taken my show to Broadway now? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I, I live by these sort of kooky, uh, like fake goals like that, that I make up. It's like, yeah, I did my show from, from Broadway. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Collecting these little like tokens throughout life. It's like a game. It's like a little game, you know, and you never know what's going to happen. Like I didn't plan that. I didn't plan that, but it just happened. And it, it feels sort of fun in retrospect to say, to have one time I did it. Uh, life, Mustard Tiger, you need a live stream when you're in Finland. We're going to go for that. Um, you should claim Broadway, Matt. You are going to talk about Broadway here in a minute because I did wander over there and walk up and down. Uh, went to Trump Tower, like I said. Um, share screen. Let's do a window. Oh, yeah. Tonight, we are going to talk about... Let's see. How does this look? I have to check over here on my monitor to see how this looks. Uh there's a lag, you know, it's a lag. Uh, tonight on Spellbreakers. Uh, is it showing? Okay, it must be showing. Yeah, there it is. Oh, okay, but it's really small. See, I did I had this problem last week. We need to make it, we need to make it big, right? We need to make it, we need to make it big. How's that? Um, so tonight on Spellbreakers, episode 57. The topic I chose tonight, so following. Yeah, Sammy the Squirrel. Always make sure to time to visit all the museums and galleries. Oh, that's a big word, Sammy. That's all. That uh, <laughs> we got one. We got one that we did. Uh, one museum and gallery. <sighs> so I'm going to talk about it tonight. That's what we're going to talk about: meaning and art. So meaning and art. That's the topic I chose tonight, and that the, the it, it was sort of like what inspired by being in New York, uh, and some a, a few coincidences that I'll talk about here in a minute, but the title I had in the show for tonight was, uh, what was it? It was, can art, can art ever be meaningful again? Can art be meaningful again? Which as we know, art isn't supposed to have meaning anymore. Nothing's supposed to have meaning anymore. So can art have meaning again? And I, the answer of course is yes. I'll, I'll just say that the answer is yes. Uh, the question is, what does that mean to say it has meaning? Because, as as you know, in our modern world, the problem isn't that just things have lost their meaning. That'd be one thing. Oh, it's sort of lost its meaning. The idea is we've decided that the concept of having meaning is wrong. That not, it, It's not just morally wrong. It's just that nothing can have meaning. We've taken apart the idea of meaning. So that nothing, it, we, we subvert meaning before it can ever happen, you see. In the past, things did have meaning. But they're not anymore because we've taken apart having meaning. And so uh, so if, if nothing has meaning, then art can't have meaning. But we know that's all bunk. This is all this we know this all comes from the the post-war BS programming that we've been fed. And uh, I think we all recognize that. It's some one of those spells that has to be broken, right? Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, so tonight, yeah, New York wrap-up. So I'm back from New York, back in Arizona. And uh, New York, the anti-convoy of 2024. So in, in 1976, we had the uh, uh, we had the convoy, C.W. McCall, about uh, having a cross-country uh, truck convoy. And it was a song of rebellion. 
And it was a song, a working class rebellion. It was a song that a lot of Americans could could relate to. And it had to do with the speed limit that was restrictive. But just in general about the man. And everybody could chafe at that. It was We were all together in, in understanding the rebellion there. And, and things have changed so much now. We don't have convoy anymore. We have an anti-convoy as a protest, which is, we're not going to New York. <laughs> we're, we're staying away. And uh, that's something very heartwarming about that. Can New York be great again? Um, that's what we pondered last week. It, I don't know. It, but if New York can't be great again, I don't know how America can be great again. So it's like we sort of have to find a way to drag New York along the way. And it seems like a super tall order right now. It seems like a super tall order. But somehow we have to figure out a way to do that. So could Trump win New York in the election? I brought this up last week. Could he actually win New York State? That wouldn't, wouldn't that be mind blowing? It sounds like oh, obviously not. But let's just let's just blue sky the idea here a little bit tonight. And then we're going to talk about art. And uh, so we did go to the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and we're going to talk about the Met. We're going to talk about a specific uh, patriotic work of art, famous patriotic work of art, a MAGA work of art, if ever there is one to be called that. And uh, we'll look at a Wall Street Journal article and address this queen. Can art still have meaning? We've already said yes. Uh, but let's just let's see what we can talk about uh, in terms of what does the establishment concede that art can have meaning again? Let's see. And then I'll do a little at the end of the update on my Helsinki talk on Pierre Robitaille uh, because uh, still have to do that, uh, but probably not going to be doing that sort of spitballing that on the show because I, I I did that. Now I sort of have to hunker down and read a lot of papers. So in some ways, the show now is sort of a release from that where I get to talk about things like. Uh, I'm reading Sammy, one of Sammy Squirrel's comment about the Joker and Batman. Um, Luminescent Lass is here. Moy Koi is here. Good to see you. I've said hello to a lot of you people. Uh, in a landslide, so Donald Trump could win in a landslide sans fraud. Without fraud, GA Nana 17 said. Yeah, so that's the big wrinkle in all this, right? Is we don't even know what the real vote totals were last time. You know, it seems like they wouldn't have had to steal New York for Biden. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe Trump did win it. So let's let's um let's take a little tour through some of these slides that I've queued up here to talk about New York. So, so um yes, there's me in Trump Tower, which the state is uh oh, they want to get there, they want to take back Trump, they want to take Trump Tower from Trump, right? And I said, and Jessica agreed. I, I I went there with her later in the week. She'd never been there before. And uh, you feel free when you're in there. I feel free. I feel like a free man when I'm in there. Like it's the it's like the free part of New York. But they want to take it away from him, and you know they're going to make it into a big uh, homeless uh, shelter for uh, migrants, right? And uh, sort of like uh, you know when the uh, when the uh, Byzantine Empire fell, and they they. I mean, the, the great cathedrals were occupied by, you know, like turned into stables by the mm -hmm. conquering Muslims. So um, they want to do that with Trump Tower. So there, yeah, that's yours truly there standing in front of the, down there in the lobby of Trump Tower. And yes, it does, it, it is open and it feels free and that feels nice. They want to take that away. New York wrap up. So while I was in Trump Tower last week, I think right before the show last week, I think is right when Judge Engoron uh, levied that uh, $349 million fine against Trump. And since then, we've had the boycott New York, the truck boycott, and uh, 
well, you know, it, it, is that going to work? Well, probably not, but it's 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 a nice it's a nice thing to to talk. Is, is it going to work in terms of pushing anything over the edge? I don't know. It seems like they're able to just bend anything to their reality. Uh, but you know, New York is it salvageable? Well, I'll just tell you that on the way out of town on Sunday when we were coming back, we took a cab from our Midtown Hotel out to JFK. And I got in the cab, and it was a obviously an African immigrant. I think he, I, I think he was from Ghana by his accent, and because uh, I know somebody from Ghana, he sounded almost the same thing. And uh, I, you could hardly, you, you couldn't even see him, you know, in the cab there because there, there's all this stuff in front of you, like notices and things. And, uh, but it was cool. He was, and he turned on the radio, and it was NPR, and he was um, listening to the to the local. It, it wasn't, it wasn't NPR. It was, it was, it was local. New York Public Radio, I think WNYC, which I used to listen to when I lived in New York. It's a nice, good radio, well-run radio station. Uh, and they were interviewing somebody from the New York Times about Trump, and they were just saying, you know, uh, oh, you know, it, it, what they were talking about was the fact that Biden is flopping, and they're worried about it. And it was so it was sort of fun to listen to the interview. They're like, oh, Biden's flopping, why? And, they, and then they guess, well, it's the choice people have. You know, some people like Trump, but it, it really comes down to choice between somebody who's old and senile, Biden. And somebody who's deeply corrupt. I was like, that's the same person. That's both Biden. Both of those are Biden. You know that. But their ability after this trial to see things their own way is just beyond the pale. And that was a little bit, you know, we, we went through Queens and now down to the Van Wick, down to JFK Airport. And, uh, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't overbearing having to listen to the radio. I was sort of like, what are the liberals saying? And sort of like, ah, that's crazy, you know. Um, then we got to the airport and there was security and I had to go through the line through security. Jessica has pre-checked. She gets to zoom through. But uh, I I got up to the front of the line. And I saw the guy, the TSA agent. It was a, he was a, a white guy, looked in his 30s, sort of, you know, uh, not super ripped or anything, but looked like he might even work out a little bit. And I thought, this guy, I'm about to make this guy's day. I can always tell in advance. I can always tell. And he's joking. He has, his, 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 uh, his co I think, was black. And he taught, they're joking with each other. And I go up and I hand him my ID. And he looks at it. And he just gets a big grin. And I know, oh, all right, I did make his day. And he's like, oh, great name, uh, Trump. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, was, I was assigned it at birth, I said. I joked. Um, which is something I said, I, and, and he, that made him laugh. He just busted out laughing. I was like, yeah, that's the real New York right there. That working class New York that I like, that, not these stupid Manhattanites, limousine liberals, as my friend Rick from New Jersey always used to, used to scorn. He hated, he was from, he was from uh, New Jersey and he just hated people from Manhattan. Um, and he was a Trump supporter for a while before he lost his mind. So while I was in New York, there are a couple of things I, I had on my list of things to see. How long would it take me to sp smell cannabis on the sidewalk? How long would it take to see someone wearing an Apple uh, Vision Pro? I was like, am I going to see that? So the, the cannabis thing, that happened right away. That was like as we were getting out of the cab, going up to the front of the Hilton. I could smell cannabis. And I smelled it a lot. Times Square. Uh, with the pedicabs that play Alicia Keys constantly <laughs> over and over because <laughs> that's the only song about New York that we hear now. Um, 
But I, a Vision Pro, I didn't see anybody up, or I was disappointed in that. I thought I'd see somebody walking around on the sidewalks with a Vision Pro in Midtown, that maybe down in the village. I don't know, but not not up in Mid. We did go to the Apple Store though, which is the old FAO FAO Schwartz toy store that was in the movie Big. Right now, it's an the Apple Store, and they had this Vision there, and I saw somebody wearing it there. But that doesn't really count, does it? I don't think so. Uh, crowded, very crowded, uh, the, the the Apple Store in Fifth Avenue, right across from the Plaza Hotel, and and just down the block from Trump Tower. It's that's a nice little corner of New York. It's like now I know why people like New York because they go to this corner down like Fifth Avenue and Central Park, that area where Trump Tower is, and uh, where the shops on Fifth Avenue are, and like Tiffany's right next door, and you know these nice hotels, and and there's Central Park, which you walk around. It's like oh. This is nice, you know. I lived in the outer boroughs, you know. It's all, all I see is like graffiti and highways and things like this during while I was living there and having to commute on the ferry, you know. It's just it's a lot it's a lot of a lot of the 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 the, the grit level of New York, you know, but uh, Midtown it was nice, you know. It was nice. It, being able to go out and walk in the park really great. Um the governor there, oh, let's go back. Let's The governor is um she wants to, uh, she's now saying there's too many migrants, you know. Well, I guess they'll hold, house them in Trump Tower because her, it's her attorney general is trying to take that away from uh, Times Square. I, I just, random impressions. Went down to Times Square by myself and then I took Jessica. And Times Square is a lot more uh, more of it than there ever was. And it, it has to do with the video technology. These huge screens that I saw like four years ago at the Consumer Electronics Show and they, they bend, they curve and they're everywhere. And I looked up and it's like the Times Square now, there's so much more. Uh, it, it feels like Consumer Electronics Show and Burning Man sort of at the same time. It's a lot more pedestrian friendly than I was there because it's been decades since I was there. And uh, just, it's like looking up at a hundred smartphones playing videos around you on the buildings. That's what it is. It recreates that feeling of having all these smart the smartphone experience but writ large around you and uh so that was that was fun and i did walk by the uh ed sullivan theater where stephen colbert god bless him the most famous person born the same year as me maybe uh michelle obama i guess uh that's what we got that's what we got uh his name's up there in lights it's like good show dude um but man yeah unhinged uh, uh I know, I know, we're just numb. We're just all numb. It's like, God, what a sellout, you know. I just, I know how numb we've become. Uh, you can tell by his hand dog's face that he truly is. He is scared and terrified that things are happening beyond his control. And I know there's there's some people have said that uh, there are things that might implicate him in terms of like, Epstein stuff, you know, that would be one reason to be really concerned if I were him. So those are some impressions of New York. Now, I played the clip at the beginning, in the clips at the beginning, uh, the trailer to On the Town from 1949, the movie, MGM. The, the trailer's in the form of an old Travel Talks video. That was an old series that uh, uh, James Fitzpatrick did, those, those Travel Talks in Technicolor. And they did a fake one that promoted the movie. And uh, 1949. So the play came out in 1944 on Broadway. It was a Broadway play. And uh, then it became a musical with, with Gene Kelly. And yeah, it was on TCM last night. And we watched it. We pick, I picked it up. We picked it up in the middle. 
and watched it on TCM. And they're going around seeing the museums just like we were. And it was a nice treat to come home to that. That's that's what my life is like. I just cascade from one weird coincidence to another like that. Like I come home and they're showing the, the quintessential movie about going to museums in New York in a day. And New York, yeah, it was great. New York was great. It was it's part of the greatness of America. It was our our first frontier, some people say. The first frontier was was upstate New York and along the Mohawk River, the first western frontier as uh, America pushed inland. And some of my ancestors settled up in that area, uh, a German immigrant who came in 1710, and he later went out and founded a big Pennsylvania Dutch colony in Pennsylvania. They moved once again. But that was a very early colonial expansion that all of the West, when we think of the West, it was really happening in New York. And it, that's the gap there in the in the in the Appalachians there that opens up to the West. That's why New York's the Empire State. It, it, it makes that big fanning out uh, that goes all the way up to the St. Lawrence and to the Great Lakes so you can access the interior of the continent. So New York becomes upstream from Chicago, you know, and the whole Mississippi River Valley. And New York was great. And Part of it still is great, and there's still greatness there, but somehow, uh, well, it's it's changed, hasn't it? Um, we talked about the Battle of Long Island uh, and uh, how the British, uh, they, they first landed on Staten Island and came over to, to Long Island and came their way up Brooklyn and almost got, got the Americans and ended the revolution right there. Washington had to escape up Manhattan. And then there was this map. I didn't show you this one, how Washington had to retreat across New Jersey he crossed the Hudson and had to retreat very quickly across New Jersey uh, uh, all the way down into and crossing the Delaware into Pennsylvania to escape the British. And that's the, one, probably the most precarious time of the early revolution. And then there was the Battle of Trenton, right? December 26, 1776, Christmas night and morning, uh, the morning of the day after, that really, uh, uh, it didn't turn the tide of the revolution. That would be at Saratoga later on. But it really... Uh, it stabilized the front so that the American army could actually survive and not be forced to surrender in the first winter of the war. Uh, and of course there were Germans there, Hessians, and they're from, they were from Hesse, which was the state in the, in the Holy Roman empire, most noted for having the best mercenaries. And they were paid for by uh, various uh, uh, principalities there in Hesse. That's the red there in Germany, uh, right along the Rhine. Uh, so, New York County maps. There we'll have recourse to that. Um, so I wanted to, can can Donald Trump win New York? Can he actually win New York State? Let's well, I wanted to know. I was just asking myself this question: like, what is the when's the last time, first of all, when a couple questions, when's the last time a Republican carried New York and won its electoral votes? When's the last time? Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm, I haven't been looking at the chat here. It's been a little bit off screen, but I'll pop it up and see if anybody jumps in and and says so here. Um, uh, and when's the last time that New York? That when's the last time a Republican won the five boroughs of New York? So on this on this map here, let's go back county map here. The five boroughs are, of course each a separate county, and they're the five counties clustered down there, including Staten Island, which is off on its own. That's Richmond County. And uh, Staten Island has a different politics than the other four boroughs. And you've got Brooklyn right across the Narrows there, and then Queens, and the Bronx is on the mainland, and then you can see Manhattan down there. So that's those are the five boroughs. When's the last time a Republican 
one all five boroughs of New York. It's it's happened. I I I didn't know it if it had ever happened. I thought, well, maybe Lincoln, because Lincoln, you know, really Lincoln made his political he coming out really on the presidential level at the a, a famous speech at Cooper Union in sort of uh, down uh, a little bit north of the, of the East Village in Manhattan. Um, and the Republican Party was strong. So I thought Lincoln, maybe Lincoln. So yeah. Um, but so it definitely wasn't in 1944. I, I just jumped back to this one because I thought 1944 is an interesting election. So this is F and I, the reason I chose this so you can see in this election, there's uh, the the Republican uh, did not win all five boroughs. There's three down there that are in blue. If you if you uh, are, are watching, uh, there's the Bronx and Manhattan and Brooklyn uh, were carried by the Democrat. So the Democrat was Franklin Roosevelt, and he was running against for, he was running for his fourth term. And in his fourth term, his opponent for his fourth term, his opponent was Thomas Dewey, who was the sitting governor of New York. So here you had. An election with both candidates had been the governor of New York. And New York had how many electoral votes? 47 at the time. 47. Good number. Good presidential number, 47. And uh, Roosevelt won, but not overwhelmingly, by about five points over, over Dewey. Uh, so, and you can see that, yeah, Roosevelt carried three three of the boroughs of, Manhattan, of, of, of New York. He, he lost Staten Island and he lost Queens. And uh, and he he but he and he did win a few counties upstate, but mostly upstate was red, and uh, like uh, the Erie County, which is Buffalo over there on the western edge, and then I think that is it Monroe County. What's the county there? It's uh, next to it. The other one in in blue that's along Lake Ontario. That's where Rochester is, right there. And then the one that's sort of uh, along the eastern side. That's uh, Albany. So you can see the city centers Roosevelt got, and he got. Part of New York, and that was enough to carry the state, though. But this, what I say, New York was at at this point, I think, its highest point of dominance in the American story was right here, right in World War II, when on you know on the town, the movie uh, on the town was was this year, right on the town, summer of '44. It turned into a movie five years later. This is when New York is is outsized of importance more than it will ever be, had ever been, and will ever be in the history of the country. During the colonial era, it had rivals like Philadelphia, Baltimore, Charleston. Later on in the modern era, it's going to have other rivals. But in 1944, during World War II, New York is undoubtedly the, the, the tentpole of, American, of the American nation. And... and so that election that year, by the way, uh, so Dewey lost, but he picked up a lot of states. You know, there were enough people voting and said, you know what, even though the war isn't over, we sort of want to change leaders. So, you know, Roosevelt, not everybody was on the board with Franklin Roosevelt, thankfully. So, but Dewey lost that election, but he came out of that election sort of poised to be the future of the Republican Party and possibly eventually president. And I'll just say this about Tom Dewey. Tom Dewey's a very interesting, interesting man. So he wasn't even born in New York. He was born in a small town in Michigan. But he he became a federal prosecutor in New York. Very interesting, right? And then he became governor 
and then he became a presidential favorite. And here's something else to know about Tom Dewey. Tom Dewey was very plugged in to the inner circle out of which the Central Intelligence Agency which was created. Tom Dewey very plugged in with the crowd out of which the CIA was created. And part of that was because he was the governor of New York at the time. And also he uh, was possibly going to be president. So that that's pretty much the reason why he was. But so he ran again in 48, right? As the Still as the governor of New York. New York still had 47 electoral votes because there hadn't been a census shift yet. And uh, here he, he wins the state against Truman, but Truman wins the election. So Dewey does defeat Truman in New York. And uh, part of the, here's the key though. Dewey defeated Truman as, as the governor of New York. He wins it in the presidential election of 48 by just less than a percentage point over Truman. But look, there was a strong third, look what there was, a strong third party candidate that year, a strong liberal third party candidate that was Robert uh, La Follette of Wisconsin. If you look at the map, so, and what, um, so he was a progressive. He ran on the progressive ticket. He got 8% of the vote in New York. And that was without, without 8% of the people in New York voting for Truman, uh, voting for La Follette instead of Truman. Is it reasonable to suppose that Truman probably would have carried New York too against Dewey, who was the governor? Probably. I think so. Um, but uh, if you just notice, go back one, uh, you can see that, again, uh, uh, Truman here, like FDR before him, wins three of the boroughs of New York and some of the urban counties in upstate. Um, now, one of the things that happens right after that, the election, and this really is why New York starts to decrease in importance relative to the rest of the country, is why? Because of somehow because of television, even though television is going to emanate from New York. So here's a map of the national broadcasting company television network in 1948. I might've showed this in last week. So this was the year uh, of that election. And you can see in New York and it's connected, it was connected by microwave towers uh, and up to Boston, Schenectady, Philadelphia, all the way down to Richmond, sort of like a, the, the, the Excella train network is now. And, uh, but they're going to expand it out to Chicago soon. So somehow the television helped decentralize in 44, Everything was still about radio. And when it was still about radio, radio is really super centralizing medium. It really draws the, any country together. That's why we got the strong men who were the radio and now like uh, radio guys like Hitler and Mussolini and Roosevelt. They really drew the country together by radio and they drew it together geographically into one place. Television's going to split that apart. But again, I just want to remind you third party was the key to Dewey winning. Uh, 52, four years later, we're back to just having two candidates. And here the Republican wins New York. Uh, notice that there's been a decrease. New York's lost a couple of uh, seats down to 45. And uh, Eisenhower beats Stevenson pretty well here, like uh, 12 percentage points. But you can see Stevenson still wins those three boroughs. He loses Staten Island and Queens. Uh, it, look at Suffolk. So Suffolk County is the county that's the, that very long county on the end of Long Island as New York juts out into the sea. And you can see it's really deep red. And there's some of the counties up in the whole rest of the state is deep red. And that's sort of the secret about New York is outside of the big cities and outside of the, you know, outside of the college towns, as we'll see, that's going to be 
there's there's a lot of red territory there. Uh, so 56, Eisenhower wins again while losing three boroughs of New York and a much bigger uh, steamroll of Stevenson. In 1960, we have the Kennedy-Nixon matchup, still with New York with 45 electoral votes. And here, Kennedy uh, able to win four boroughs out of five. Kennedy wins Queens. And he picks up the other counties, some other counties up upstate New York that were generally trending Democratic uh, in the cities, Albany and Buffalo and some of the surrounding counties and in the North Country along the Canadian border. And Kennedy is able to pick up, uh, I think maybe because there's a lot of Catholics up there, it would, would be run one reason. It's near Quebec. Um, and there's a lot of leak over of culture on that uh, across the border. That's what I'm guessing. Somebody from that from the North Country, which is north of the Adirondacks up there, could probably correct me. But uh, Kennedy wins by five percentage points, wins the election, of course. Um, Sixty-four. Okay, so here, here you can see that Foro Goldwater doesn't win a single county in New York. Uh, LBJ really. This is the biggest lopsided victory but we've had a, a census and new york's lost two more two more seats it's down to 43 so here we see the manifestation of new york losing its its outsized importance to the rest of the country it's going to keep decreasing as we go along uh 68 though the republican bounces back and here we have another three-way race but even in a three-way race nixon isn't able to pull it out against humphrey uh humphrey just carrying four of the five boroughs and albany and buffalo wins the state. Nixon wins solidly throughout the rest of the state and uh, uh, in, in Appalachia, basically, uh, but uh, still down five percentage points. Had everybody who voted for George Wallace, and here the problem was the third party candidate was a, was a, a right-leaning candidate, George Wallace. So if, if, if everybody who voted for Wallace had voted for Nixon, uh, Nixon still would have lost, <laughs> but it would have been very, very close. Then in 72, oh, we love to see this. Everything red, Nixon winning handily against McGovern. Even, you know, so McGovern wins three boroughs. Now he loses Queens back to Nixon. Staten Island is beat red. Um, and uh, Manhattan is the only dark blue place. That's the only place where McGovern gets any quarter is Manhattan. And look at how deep red the rest of New York is. Uh, so, yeah, those were the days. I remember that election. Yeah, so... 76. So here's an interesting election. So 76, Carter. Uh, so now we've, uh, and, and by the way, we've, so we've lost 41 electoral votes now for New York. Keep losing ones. Carter wins by about four percentage points. Look how solidly Carter carries the four boroughs of New York outside Staten Island. Really deep blue. Carter had a lot of strength in New York City. And it's that strength in New York without really winning New York hard. Carter, I don't think, would have won the state. And if he hadn't won New York, he wouldn't have become president. The 41 electoral votes, I think, would have been enough to tip it to, to Ford, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up. So in a way, Carter's strength in New York City was what brought him the presidency. So uh, they didn't like McGovern, but they sure loved Carter, at least for that election. Next election, Carter doesn't win in New York nearly as handily. And here we have, well... John Anderson was a Republican, but the people I, I I can tell you the people who were Anderson supporters in 1980 were Democrats who who didn't want to vote for Jimmy Carter. They, that's the, all of them. 
if you were a Republican, you were going to vote for Reagan. <laughs> that, that's it. So look at that. Uh, the incumbent loses because he he loses what almost seven and a half percentage points. Takes a nick out to give it to liberal con, uh, Republican John Anderson, who is a really weird guy, by the way. That uh, in retrospect, it's just not a good idea, Anderson as candidate. But it it was great because it it caused Carter some votes definitely, and Reagan didn't take a majority. Reagan didn't win fifty percent, but he wins the state. In 1980, and then in '84, wow, look at that! Oh, so Reagan wins the state, and uh, by the way, this, uh, this so this is going to be, by the way, the last time that Re the Republicans win New York State. But look, New York, look from look at the number of electoral votes: 80, 41. So the 1980 census, New York loses five congressional seats in the 1980 census. That was New York in the '70s. That was New York bleeding population hard. The whole state, but especially the city in the 70s. They lost five electoral votes that year in the 80 census. And, of course, Mondale picks up Albany and, and uh, Buffalo. And that one in the middle you see there that's going to be reliably blue in the midst of all this, in 84 election, this is the future for the Democratic Party. That is uh, Tompkins County, and that's where Cornell is. That's Ithaca. So it's a big, you know, big university is there. So this is going to be the future of the Democratic Party, are big cities and big rich cities with lots of poor people in them, but lots of rich people and college towns. And it gets Mondale 45% of the vote, but Reagan wins all 36 votes. And of course, he won 400, 520 electoral votes. And Mondale barely won his home state. If you're liking this, please give a thumbs up. Uh, we appreciate all that. Um, and uh, this would be a good time to interrupt this. You know, I hope we're going to get to the thing about the art today. Uh, we may just do the election. I may have to talk about the, the, the art next week because this is so much fun talk, uh, talking about this. But please do give a thumbs up. And tonight uh, we do have another uh, uh, one of our lovely sponsors to cover. So here we have um, Attention All Badlanders. Tonight's episode of Spellbreakers is brought to you in part by Love Litters. Love litters. I think I'll loop the video so it continue past me. Attention all you Badlanders with purring pals and feathered friends. Say hello to love litters. 100% pure kiln-dried wood, free from chemicals and oh so kind to Mother Nature. No dust, no mess, no toxin. Just a lightweight solution that's gentle on your wallet and even gentler in your home. Our biodegradable litter is crafted from wood. From wood. Destined for landfills, giving it a new purpose in your pet's life. You can't beat that. Wood. Cats love it. Our astonishing formula works like magic to neutralize that notorious cat urine odor, keeping your home pine fresh and welcoming. For bird lovers, it zaps moisture from bird droppings, crumbles them away, all while being safe if pecked or ingested. For reptiles and critters, too. Critters. Our mix is crafted to dilute the pine scent, ensuring that those little lungs stay happy and healthy. Plus, every 30-pound bag of love litters will last up to six months, saving you money. Transform your pet care routine today. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash litter. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash litter. And breathe easy with a litter that loves your pet as much as you do. All right. Let's see how far we can get with this crazy show I put together. I always put together way too much material, but I, I, I live in fear of running out of something to say, you know, so uh, there we go. Uh, I live in fear. Uh, not too much fear. 
small amount of fear is healthy. You know, fear of God is healthy. 1988, uh, Dukakis wins New York. That was the year his cousin was in a famous New York movie. Uh, uh, Olympia Dukakis was in Moonstruck, a great New York City movie. He wins four of the five boroughs. Staten Island's like, no way. We'll go with Bush. So this is the last time a Republican won over 41% of the vote. It was 1988. From here on, the Republican vote is just going to tank in New York. Uh, Slick Willie. Look, four of the five boroughs solid hard for Slick Willie in a three-party race where the third-party candidate took a big ding, ding out of the Republican. Perot, you know, took most of his votes from, from Bush. New York is now down to 33 electoral votes after another census, dropping like crazy. Um, so Clinton, you know, it, there was a lot of, you know, it's it's a, Clinton wins some of the, you know, five he wins the five boroughs hard, but the rest of the state's sort of a mix. Uh, but Bush probably, you know, he could have come close if Perot hadn't been in the race. 96, uh, Perot's back. It's a smaller percent of the vote. And Clinton and, and Dole, 30.6%. So the vote came out of Dole. Dole would have probably got a little bit less than 40% of the vote in a straight-up election. Uh, but Clinton's still obviously uh, dominant with the – and look at the five boroughs, deep blue – Albany's deep blue, a little bit north of it. One solid red county. That's uh, can't remember Han Hamilton County. That that deep red county. That's up in the Adirondacks. Has a total population of about five thousand. But uh, that's you know, there there's New York. That's the, there it is. Deep red. This is the election I lived in New York, and I voted in New York. The only election I voted in New York, two thousand, and uh, that whole fiasco. I lived in Staten Island, and Staten Island went blew that election thanks in part to yours truly i voted in the staten island tech high school and the, we went down there stood in line used the old voting machines um i think no they didn't have the voting machine i was disappointed they didn't have the voting machines i went into have those 2004 Kerry wins big uh this is the last time the republican got over 40 percent of the vote uh 2008 of course now look at the state is just it's like the blue is like a, a cancer spreading throughout the state of New York. Even the reliably hard old Republican counties are succumbing to the the, the inevitability of New York being a blue state. Ugh. So many people probably moved up from New York, you know, uh, 63 percent. for. But look, New York's down to 29 electoral votes. This is almost 18 electoral votes than it had back in 1944. 2016. Trump, so let's just check this out. Republicans, 40. So going back to Dole, 30%, 35, 40, 36, 35, 36. So Trump officially, now again, these are just official totals. In official totals, he, he did respectably well for a Republican against Hillary, but Hillary was, you know, still wins by 20 points. And gets the 29 electoral votes. But look, there's some deep red pockets in New York. It, at least we're seeing a little bit of the blood of life come back to the upstate uh, in western New York. And uh, even while New York boroughs are still all blue. And then, uh, so, then last time, here are the official totals. For what it's worth, right? For what it's worth, these are the official totals. We know that there could be a lot of shenanigans, but, you know... Uh, yeah. So the question is, 
Well, we didn't answer the question. Look, look, uh, uh, Biden wins the four of the five boroughs, solid hard blue, and Westchester is now blue, and all these counties up, Dutchess County is blue. Um, now Albany, and, you know, there's a continuous blue band all the way up to Albany, and all the, almost all the way up the, the eastern side of the state, up to the north country. Plus deep, deep blue Tompkins County in the middle. Where, where Ithaca and Cornell University is, because now we know that everybody at the university is a is going to vote for Democrat, even if the you know no matter what, it's it's a cult now. It's a cult. So you can see it's the it's four out of the five boroughs, and and then uh, the state capital and the college town, and Westchester, which is big blue rich Democrats like like Hillary living there. That's that's New York State. That's going to dominate New York State politics. But look, Suffolk County out on the tip of Long Island, nicely red still. Trump carried that, uh, and he carried Staten Island. Yay! All right. Uh, I'm not totally not surprised at all. So here's the the answer to the question: When was the last time that all five boroughs of New York went Republican? The answer is 1924. 1924. Uh, election of Calvin Coolidge. New York's had 45 electoral votes and it was a three-party race. And uh, check this out. So Coolidge wins. He wins 55% of the vote. And uh, the Democrat was uh, John uh, John W. Davis of West Virginia. Uh, same last name as the president of the Confederacy. And you know this is... <laughs> so the Democrats were the party of the South and Coolidge... It was a there was party of the north, but look at though uh, there was a really strong third party challenge. Fifteen percentage points went to to um, oh that's Robert LaFollette. I got I got the years wrong. I'm, I'm I got mixed up. So I got I jumped track in my mind. This is Robert LaFollette, Wisconsin. He, he didn't he didn't run in forty eight. Who ran in forty eight? I'm gonna go look it up now. Um, I made a mistake about the 48 election, but this is, you can see this was a strong liberal third party challenge. This was, uh, and took a lot of votes away from that might've gone Democrat. Uh, so this is a pattern here. Republican, uh, Republicans are, are more poised to win New York when there's a third party challenge that digs into the democratic support. And then, so look, all five boroughs of New York red. And uh, uh, Nassau County on Long Island, very deep red. That's uh, and so it's um, as well as many counties in upstate New York, but the whole state red. And that's the last time, a hundred years ago this year, is the last time that we had an election where the five boroughs of New York all went Republican. So, and and just for context, the the one before that. Uh, 1920 election, Warren Harding won 65% of the vote there. And uh, that's um, against Cox uh, of Ohio, the Democrat. And uh, you can see the whole state's just deep red. So wouldn't we love to see something like that again? Uh, when we, We'd love to see a Harding-type scenario election. And there was 7%, again, a, a strong challenge from the left. Uh, you had Eugene Debs, a communist actually running on the Socialist Party. So La Follette, yeah, so I got the names wrong. Uh, this was the election. You can see Coolidge. It was a t North versus South, you know, with a kooky liberal Wisconsin 
uh, voting in its favorite son. But his, he took a lot of the chunk out of New York. So uh, so what are we going to have this year, 19, 2024? What do you think, guys? Can Trump win uh, New York this time? Um, and uh, can he win New York? Well, um, doesn't, you know, it, with, if they can cheat, of course, no. In a fair election, maybe he won last time. We, that's how weird it is. That's how hard it is to tell is we don't even know what happened last time, for real. We wouldn't know what would happen in a fair election. We don't, Maybe Trump, you know, maybe Biden still wins. There are a lot of Democrats in New York. You know, let's be, let's be honest, but maybe not. Maybe Trump won. So that's how in the dark we are about this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a prediction here. Let's see. What is a prediction here? Oh, so, by the way, one of the things, after 1924 is when we had the rise of radio networks. This is when we have the New York being centralized by radio. So that's... 1927 is the founding of NBC, and after that, we have the New York becoming the media center after that election. So this is goodbye, old America, hello, new America, with the radio uh, syndication network, where opinion making and news news reporting is all going to be centralized by a small group of people in New York City, and uh, and they're going to be Democrats. So what are we going to have in this election? Uh, let's see. I can see the chat here at the same time because I love I love seeing your comments at the same time. Decades of uniparty shills, says Bay Theater Dave. Yes. Uh, Bob Dole. Yes. Bob Dole in the pen always. Bob I I should have. Why didn't I vote for Bob Dole? I voted for Slick Willie. I'm so ashamed of myself. I lived in Texas though, so it didn't really matter. Look up what happened to Andrew Jackson. Che cheating a long time. Uh yeah, yeah. Cardiff to slow slow down, lower the thermostat, and wear a sweater. Yeah. So what are we gonna have? New, November fifth, twenty twenty four. It's coming right up, folks. It's gonna get crazy. Leading up to this, it's gonna get crazy, isn't it? It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be hard to keep our mind focused because as it gets nearer, the surer we are. Like, it's, oh, Trump's gonna win. Trump's gonna win. It's like, yeah, but uh, you don't know, do you? You don't really know. Uh, on the other hand, maybe he, maybe there's a monstrous landslide. So let's. Oh, can we see it? Uh, oh, ho, ho, look at that! Oh, it's, oh, well, yeah, well, it looks just like 1924. In fact, it is the map from 1924. I just stole it, so it's a hundred-year-old map. Could we have? Oh, what, what, what would it be nice to have something like that? That just, in despite of all odds. The Trump wins all the five boroughs. Wouldn't you just love? Wouldn't you love to see this? Uh, New York only has twenty-eight electoral votes now. It only lost one in the last census, so the decline is starting to slow down a little bit. It, it's not—it's not the catastrophic freefall of population that it was during the seventies. But only twenty-eight electoral votes now, which is you know that's that's nineteen less than it had in World War II. That's like a whole Pennsylvania. It's lost. Oh, look. Oh, yeah. Look, here are the candidates. Trump got 44.56%. So he 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 did what he got in in 2024. He just he improved a little bit over 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 2020, excuse me, by about what? About about 8 percentage, 7 8 percentage points. So he he won more votes. But what about Biden? Biden's way down. He's only got 37% of the vote. Why? All oh, because Kennedy got 17% of the vote. 
So tr that was enough to, to, to so that Biden didn't win even Manhattan because so many people voted for Kennedy in Manhattan. Man. Oh, I'm so looking forward to November when this happens. Because, you know, if this happens in New York, you could pretty much imagine what the rest of the country is going to be like. So it's going to be a pretty good, cool election if it plays out like this. Uh, well, well, we'll see, right? We'll see. So, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we got comments here. We all know that Trump is going to win. What we don't know is if they're going to try to, to steal it. Oh, they're going to try to steal it. We know that. Uh <laughs> question is, will they be able to get away with stealing it? Uh, we don't know. So 17, yeah, 17%. Um, yeah, Trump doesn't seem worried. But it kind of be so cool for him to win New York and the five boroughs. Uh, but, it, you know, it would be, what's unrealistic here? The most unrealistic thing in this scenario is that Staten Island would be just light, light red there. Uh, I'm pretty sure it would be the darkest red on the map. So uh, the, the, the county, so uh, this set off to its side down there. So I wish I could point to it. You can't really point. So if you're liking this, please give a thumbs up. Uh, if you like this scenario, if you like the idea of Trump winning New York, winning the five boroughs, winning in a landslide, if you think this scenario is cool, uh, when's the last, but well, though, you know, liberty, you know I, I guess there's other third parties, you know, it doesn't add up to a hundred. There's other, other people got votes. Uh, Roger, Roger. Um, it will not be an easy task to steal it for Biden. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. What it's going to be so cool. All right. So we got, we got a little bit of fun here tonight. Please do give a thumbs up. Now, uh, 1924, I just wanted to say, um, I think, I think we're going to probably have to, to break in the show here. I'm going to have to pick it up next week with this topic about art. Uh, because and it has to do with New York and a visit to the Met. So next next week will be a visit to the Met Metropolitan Museum, and we'll, I'll pick it up with this topic. We're going to talk about meaning and art. I think next week. But for the moment, I just want to say that uh, Times Square. When I was down in Times Square, I noticed that the Broadway Theater, which is right across the street from Colbert's Theater, on the north side of Ty, uh, Times Square, the Ed Sullivan Theater, and uh, so the Great Gatsby. It is, is a show. It's it's debuting at the Broadway Theater. But uh, so The Great Gatsby, Fitzgerald was writing The Great Gatsby 100 years ago this year, speaking of 100 years, uh, in the lead up to the election with Calvin Coolidge would win New York. Uh, Fitzgerald was out on the, uh, 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 F. Scott Fitzgerald, of course, was in the French Riviera writing The Great Gatsby, first manuscript of what would become The Great Gatsby, which would be published the following year. Next year will be the 100th anniversary in April 1925. And of course, there were two film adaptations, famously in 1974 with Robert Redford and uh, 2013 with Leonardo DiCaprio in the title roles. But right now in New York, what I noticed right across the street from Colbert's Theater at the Broadway Theater is the notices that there's going to be a musical for Great Gatsby that's premiering, going to be in, in previews next month. So it wasn't open yet. And then uh, it, it should be open in general in April. So I don't know. Well, we may go back next year for uh, uh, Jessica's work conference and uh, stay again. And maybe we'll go see the great Gatsby musical then. So <sighs> make Gatsby great again, make New York great again, the great American novel, you know, so this will be a good segue to the idea of meaning in art. So <sighs> to have meaning, what's the meaning of the great Gatsby? Does anybody know? 
if you've read it, what's the meaning? Well, who knows, right? Who knows? It could, it could be a lot of different things, but that doesn't mean it, it doesn't have meaning just because we don't all see the same meaning. You get it? Just because we don't all experience the same meaning from a work of art, that we experience different truths of meaning about art does not mean that art doesn't have meaning. And I, I want to emphasize this because we, we, at our point in civilization right now, philosophically, academically, our theories of art are such that the idea that everybody has their own truth about meaning is actually used as an assertion that meaning itself ultimately is elusive and doesn't exist. I don't think it's true. Just because the Great Gatsby may have different meanings as a work of art, a work of literary art, doesn't mean it doesn't, it, it, different meanings for different people doesn't mean it doesn't have meaning. And the idea is maybe meanings converge. Maybe, maybe we, maybe enough people experience the same shared meaning that somehow it will generate that. So just to, just to wrap up, I think we'll wrap up here in a minute. Uh, so yeah, the Great Gatsby will open. This is the Schubert organization. The Great Gatsby will open up on Broadway this spring. The acclaimed production of a new musical. So it was actually out in the hinterlands of New Jersey, playing it off Broadway at the Paper Mill Theater out in Milburn, New Jersey. And now it's coming to Broadway. So it opened last fall in New Jersey, uh, and it's going to be a bunch of singing and dancing. And um, yeah, we we definitely want to go. We didn't go to see a Broadway show this year. But uh, definitely see one maybe next year. Uh, so I mentioned Gatsby and the tied it into Donald Trump, and uh, I think this is where we'll pick up pick up next week. And uh, with uh, sort of we stopped with make Gatsby great again, and we're going to segue to idea of meaning in art. So we, but I did answer the question, right? Can art ever have meaning again? The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Can Donald Trump win New York? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes to both those questions. So, well, we'll we'll pick up there. Um, yeah, please do give a thumbs up. And uh, tonight's episode of Spellbreakers has been brought to you in part by the Badlands Shop. The Badlands Shop. In today's fast-paced world, peace of mind is priceless. That's where Badlands Media steps in. Preparing for life's uncertainty is about being ready for anything, wherever you are. Welcome to Badlands Media Shop. We've partnered with Patriot Companies, offering products that empower you to prepare for any eventuality comfortably in your home. The Badlands Shop has everything you need to secure your peace of mind. Browse the virtual aisles. Prepare your family for the year ahead with products that you can trust from companies that share your values, whether it's growing your own food or prepping long-term, prepping long-term storage, protecting your family or stockpiling and emergency supplies. We've got you covered. Get prepared. Visit the Badlands Media Shop or badlandsmedia.tv slash shop today. Every purchase supports a freedom-loving business as well as Badlands Media. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash shop. Thank you for your continued support. So, I love hanging out here with you guys, and it's been fun. I got to talk about New York. Oh, look, I got a I got a rumble rant from Bear BL. Thanks, Mar. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe you, if it was Matt. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you. Um, 
it's amazing what a little, a little rumble rant will do to, to my to my ego and feel good about hey i've still got matt there you are yeah <laughs> uh let's let's just check out the chat here we got a few minutes to hang out here and uh before we got top of the hour we got uh altered states coming up and then devolution power hour later on some of the issues we've talked about today do, do you mind if we dance with your dates yes <laughs> animal house yeah filmed in oregon uh you will enjoy yourself yeah man they're, so they're trying to take away trump tower right and uh that's just not that's just i just hope these guys get spanked you know so next week yeah we will let's see next week like I said, we're going to we're going to go to the Met next week. We're going to go to the Met. We'll pick up here. We're going to go to the Metropolitan Museum. Uh, let's just have a whole episode about the Met and great art, and we'll talk about this idea. We're going to talk about a specific work of art at the Met. When I went to the Met, I went there with the idea that I wanted to, there was one piece of art that I wanted to see. It's a MAGA piece of art, a very MAGA piece of art, one of the most MAGA pieces of art that exists in the world is at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City in the center of Manhattan. All right. So, and probably a lot of you can guess what that piece of art is, but I'll leave it as a mystery to next week. And we're going to talk about the meaning of patriotic art in particular. So thank you all for dropping by. Um, and uh, let's see, they, they always want me to read this. Uh... Can we... Uh... Looking for more ways to support Badlands Media? Head over to badlandsmedia.tv and click on the Support Badlands button or go straight to badlandsmedia.tv slash boost. So you can boost Badlands without uh, just directly if you want. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, you can now give a Badlands boost, just like a Rumble rant, only better. Support your favorite shows with a boost anytime, even if you're not watching live. So you can actually boost this show. Um your donation will go directly to Badlanders, Badlands without no middleman. Shop America First companies at Badlands Shop. With every purchase, you'll be supporting Badlands Media and an America First business. Don't forget to become a Badlander. Opt in to alerted the new shareable content with our streets, with our street team. And by all means, click on that thumb. Help your favorite Badlands shows reach the top of the Rumble reader, leaderboard. Thank you all for helping us grow Badlands Media. We are the news now. And any last, thank you all for dropping by. We Next week, we'll go to the Met. Metropolitan Museum is going to be lovely. We're all going to go there together. And uh, I will see you all, hopefully, God willing, we're all still on the air, next week. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media. so much.